Welcome, welcome again to another rendition of WTF Interviews. My name is Sir Royce Brialis, and I'm with my prestigious co-host, Dr. Ryan Young. How's it going, my brother? Everything's good, man. How you doing, today? Man, I'm doing good. Man, I was on a lake, uh, bike ride on the lakefront, man. It was the most beautiful thing I've seen, man. First time I ever did that. It was, it was awesome. But yeah, so far, it's still good. Man. All right. And also, pleased to announce we have a special guest, uh, Marquise Ogden. How's it going, my brother? Doing well. How about yourself, man? Doing all right? Yeah, doing good, man. Doing good. So uh, tell us about yourself, man. What do you do professionally and uh, how many kids you got and what are their ages? Yeah, so I'm a current national, international keynote speaker, executive coach, best-selling author, uh, corporate consultant, and I own a couple different businesses. And I'm a former NFL athlete, and I have two daughters. I have a stepdaughter that is 17, almost 18, and then my daughter uh, will be uh, seven, uh, in, not this Saturday, the following Saturday. Cool. So you sound like a pretty busy man. How do you uh, find like balance between work and family? You know, for me, man, you know, when I'm working, I'm working. You know, I am an entrepreneur. I like to get up early, go to the gym, take care of my business during the day. But then when I'm a father, I'm a father. So like, you know, with my little one, I like to always go you know, hang out with her, take her to different things. Uh, she likes going to movies like I do and find that balance. And my oldest one, I taught her how to drive and, you know, she's now working. So she's a little bit more self-sufficient, but if she needs me for something. Yeah, I always try to make sure I'm available and treat them both the same. Even though my stepdaughter is my stepdaughter, I've been in her life since she was eight. And I treat them both the same. So like, you know, my, little, my oldest wants to go out with her friends, you know, be home by a certain time. That's fine. And then with my little one, you know, we want to do things and hang out. And that's fine because in the day they're both my daughters and I'm like, you know, I'm their dad and I'm going to be here until I'm no longer here. Yeah. How do you think your daughters would describe you as a father? Uh, very involved, uh, you know, mm -hmm. hands-on, uh, you know, both of them, I always try to help support them and I'm always like around for talking advice. You know, I do things with them. Again, my oldest one, she's starting to do a little more things on her own with her friends, which is fine. But I know when she gets older, you know, into her early twenties and mid twenties, she has like, you know, family and a life and all that. And she's not so much focused on her friends and having a good time. I'll be there to help her, you know, with different, you know, talking points and, and some mm -hmm. advice and all that kind of good stuff. And my little one, you know, we're always playing Minecraft or we're always playing on our iPad or we're always, you know, going to a movie. We're always, you know, playing Barbies, whatever the case may be, just making sure that, again, when I'm present, I'm present. And when I'm working, I have to work. Yeah. Okay. Now, um, my, I have a daughter, uh, Dr. Young. He has, a, he has two daughters. Uh, uh, are they daddy's little girls? Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, for me, it's all about just, you know, having princesses and, you know, making sure they have what they want and they can see, you know, how a man's supposed to treat them by the way I treat their mom and how I treat them as well. So that when they get older, they're going to know, they're going to have high standards for, for who they date, which is what I want. I want them to have high standards and they know that who they date needs to have some sort of, you know, pedigree to what their dad was like for them and where their dad treated their mom. How, um, can you talk about your relationship with your father? Yeah. My, oh, my father was amazing. You know, we were actually raised by a single father. My brother is also mm -hmm. an NFL athlete. He's actually in the hall of fame for football. He's a 12 year NFL vet play all with the Ravens. And, you know, we were raised by a single dad. So we learned all about hard work, commitment, being men, being accountable, how to treat women, respecting ourselves, 
from that age, you know, and being raised by our father. So our dad was completely mm -hmm. in our life and was always there from day one. That's cool. What, um, what happened with your mom? She left. She left us on Christmas morning and she just mm. really, she just, oh, she just want, wanted to find her own self, man. She was like, she wasn't concerned about being a mom because it wasn't fun for her. She wanted to still hang out with her friends. And then also, I think, I, I can't, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that she ended up having, you know, extramarital uh, affairs outside of, uh, of the relationship because she actually moved in with somebody like a couple of months after she left us. I'm like, well, that's, I mean, of course, when you're young, you don't understand, but now I'm like, wait a second, like you can move with somebody like three months after you left us. Like, obviously we're seeing that person beforehand to move in with them and live with them. So don't, don't tell me you just met them and all of a sudden three days, months later, you're living with them. So there was just some extra things going on in the marriage and some problems that they had. And, uh, you know, my mom didn't want to be a mom anymore, you know, and she didn't want to be a mom until I can honestly say this, I feel it was cool for her. It was easy as we got older, uh, mm -hmm. playing football in high school. My brother went to college at UCLA. I went to Howard. And she was able to say, oh, I'm their mom. Like, when it was easy, when, when my dad did all the hard work, all the growing up and all the discipline and all the, you know, you're having problems as young men, like all those things, our dad was there for that. So and he never wanted any of the glory. My mom wanted all the glory, but none of the work. Wow. Take me back to that time. So when she left, what was your dad like after like, he struggled for a while. You know, my dad yeah. never remarried. He never remarried, unfortunately. He passed away at 57 years old. And, you know, he was always stuck on my mom. Like, he would always help her when she needed things being helped. They had a, a relationship where I felt, and I still feel to this day, that she was just basically using him just, to, you know, where she needed something, uh, which was her personality, I feel. And, you know, at the end of the day, my mom could say whatever she wants to say, but I feel that she kept my dad around knowing he would do things for her because she could get that from him. And my dad just wanted to be a good person. And once he got better, he started dating and all that, but again, he never remarried. And, you know, it was hard on him. It was hard to, you know, because they were together since, you know, college and you know, they were married for 18 years and then got divorced. So when I married for like five or they made 18, almost two decades and then bam, you know, it was, it was over. So it's like, I tell my wife, you know, for me, you know, I, you know, I've dealt a lot, I've seen a lot, and, you know, I got complete trust in her that this is going to be for the long haul, and I just do the best I can to deliver being a good dad, a good husband, you know, a devoted person, because at the end of the day, you really don't know, but all you can do is just give us your best shot. Yeah. yeah. How, how old were you when that happened? Uh, I was eight. Okay. Mm-hmm. How do you think that impacted you as, as a father or did it? Uh, it impacted me as a father that I knew I was never not going to be in my children's life ever. I mean, I knew what it did to me. I knew what it did to my brother. And I vowed if I ever got married or if I ever had kids, that I was always going to be there and be a very involved parent and be hands on because that's what I want. And that's how my dad was. So it made me without a doubt know that parenting was something I was going to take very seriously I was going to be there all the way. I was going to work hard financially, make sure they had what they needed and, you know, make sure that I can be that example to, again, that they want to have in a partner whenever they decide to, you know, get married, that they're going to be with somebody that's going to take care of them where I take care of their mother. Go ahead, Dr. Young, I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say that that's interesting, your story, man, because like a lot of times when um, it's kind of like the reverse, like, yeah, sure, uh, sure. 
the the mother has the child, especially like if if the child turns out to be an athlete, it's like mm-hmm. the mother raises the child and then um, the father comes back into the picture. It was so completely reversed. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. completely reversed. Yep, it absolutely was. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Now you got a pretty big gap between your daughters, the ages. Uh, walk me through your experiences getting to know your stepdaughter and uh, you know uh, becoming a vital part in her life. As a it was hard, man. It was hard because at the beginning, like you know, her mom and her were together, you know, by themselves. Because my my wife was married before, got divorced, and so then she ended up meeting me on Match.com, and then Ava was eight and. It was hard because, you know, you know, they left Carolina, moved in with me in Baltimore, and Ava rebelled and didn't like it, didn't want to be around me and all that type of stuff. I remember one time Ava was saying, you know, there's a problem here. I said, what's the problem? Ava said, well, let's see. My mom and I have always been together, so we're not the problem, so what's left? I said, oh, me? She's like, yep, you're the problem. So I remember telling Bonnie that I was like, hey, Bonnie, like, this is not something that's going to work. Like, you know, I don't know what to do. Like, you know, I just don't know how it's going to work out. She said, no, Ava's not going to run our lives and my life. And we're going to have to discipline her and be, uh, be hard and be firm. And that's what it was. And it was a lot of, you know, her having to get spanked by her mom and her having to adjust to that. And then when I went bankrupt uh, with my business, and I moved down to Carolina. It got better because Ava was closer to her family, which was good. Like my wife, you know, my wife's you know, brother's kids and, you know, my, my wife's sister's kids and all that. So it got a lot better. And, but it was harder on me because at that time I was financially broke, had no money. And so I had, it was difficult. I couldn't provide financially. I was going through some stressful times and I was bouncing around from job to job and was trying to get myself together after an NFL career and after a very successful, you know, $15 million a year construction that I had built and lost in 90 days. So, but once wow. we got here and some things started happening, you know, she had some tough times adjusting, making friends, stuff like that. But I probably say around the age of like, 13 or 14 it got you know i mean it got really good i mean look, the age between like 9 and 13 or 12 was kind of like yeah just like her trying to find herself but when, when she turned about 13 or 14 it got good and then like we've been very fortunate that now she's in her teenage years she's got a job she has a car that her dad bought her we pay the insurance uh you know she has a job working at cracker barrel she you know, does good in school she wants to go to college all that so we don't have any of the the issue. So it's actually, we, we kind of had our problems with her early, you know, age like eight, nine, 10. And today we don't have any problems with like boys or drinking or any of that type of stuff. So she's actually done very well since then. So now it's a great relationship and uh, everybody's on great ground. That's pretty good. What, um, like, what is your relationship like with her dad? How do you all? He, he's not a great, great question. He's not in the picture. Um, he lives in Taiwan. Somehow he's not. He lives in Taiwan, so he's um, he's Taiwanese. So he only sees Ava like maybe once every like two or three years. Um, he pays his child support every month. Like I said, he bought her a car. So in the Taiwanese or that in the Asian culture, they're very big on you know responsibility. Like you know, you pay your child support, you take care of your kids, but they're not really big on having to be there. Because like, like, like in that culture, most of the kids are raised by the grandparents while the parents are out working all the time. So mm-hmm. he very rarely sees her, uh, you know, in person. But like I say, he takes care of his child support. He's always sends money for Christmas, for gifts. Uh, you know, he's very involved financially and takes care of her in that regard. But uh, as far as seeing her and all that, I'm full-time dad. Okay. Yeah, I, um, 
when my daughter was born, they said, uh, you better buy your shotgun because, uh, you know, when, it, when she grows up, she's going to start dating and, uh, you know, different guys going to start coming around. So uh, what type of uh, advice do you think you'll be giving your daughters, like, when they start getting into dating? Uh, same thing I said, man. Just just find a guy that treats your mom the way I treat her and, this, and, and, and that whole perspective. Nobody's perfect. Everybody's got problems, but look at the person's heart and what they've got. You know, they want you just for your body. That's going to be a problem because bodies change and people get old and people, you know, don't stay in shape and people, you know, wither away. All that stuff doesn't matter. So, you know, you got to find somebody you can connect with and spend your time with and you enjoy being around because that's what's going to matter the most because physical looks and attraction, all that stuff. I know you're young now, but it, you, know, you will get to be 30s, 40s, 50s and beyond. And it will, it will not be the same. So if you don't like the person, you can't be around the person, you can't talk to the person, then it's not going to work out. Yeah, good advice. Can you, can you go back to like, um, I know that, that you were saying that it was a time in your relationship where you was having some financial issues. Can mm -hmm. you talk about like how your wife supported you during that time? Yeah, my wife was very supportive as far as pushing me to get off the couch and not feel sorry for myself. And she encouraged me to get into different things. Like, so I was working as a custodian for a while, for six months. I was working as a football instructor, trying to teach kids private lessons. I was running football camps. I was a birthday party at birthday. I was a birthday clown at birthday parties playing football with the kids. All I was trying to pursue my dream and my desire to be a keynote speaker and a coach and consultant. And I didn't get a paid speaking job for two and a half years. But my wife stayed by me and I kept working and it was it was hard. You know, we were married in 2015 and we had a lot of marital problems that stemmed from my anger, my frustration with the lack of success I was having in my career, trying to pursue speaking and trying to pursue what I wanted to do. And it was very hard. And eventually, once I started, I got my first paid job in 2016. And it still was a struggle for probably about four years, well, about three years, you know, on and off, but to be consistent. And I started getting some consistent work in 2019, 20, then COVID hit, but I was able to pivot nicely to do a lot of virtual events. So yeah. now, our, our, I would say the last, we've been married six years, the first three years were hard. And I would say 90% of that was me as far as, you know, not being able to deal with, you know, struggle and loss and financial you know, issues. The last three years of our marriage, the last real fight we had was probably May of 2018, we fought oh, wow. about about money and we thought about, you know, what that was going to look like. And I said, wow, Marcus, you know, she stuck by you when you had nothing but four dollars to your name. And mm -hmm. if you uh, if you're not going to, you know, get to the point where you're going to, you know, you know you're, as you're making money, allow her to do some things, not spend crazy, but spend a little bit here or there it's never going to work out. And so, and I say, no woman is perfect. And, you know, you have a woman that spends a little bit of money now, but nothing stupid. You could trade some, you know, not be with her and have a woman who thinks, oh, she's only going to spend a few bucks here that and spends thousands upon thousands of dollars. And you're like, to that type of situation. So the grass is not always greener. So water your grass and move from there. And that's what I did. And like I said, we haven't had a, of course you have tips and rips here or there, but we haven't had like a serious, like, you know, fight we don't speak to each other for like three four five days you know we haven't had one of those since yeah it's been over three years now that's pretty cool that's awesome pretty cool. can you can you talk about like that breakthrough like when you um i guess that first opportunity um and it was just like you know eye-opening like a breakthrough for you 
for you talking about my speaking job or for with, yeah, with my yeah. wife? Oh, oh man, yeah. When I got the speaking job for Miller Mott College in Wilmington, North Carolina, and I realized I could do this, but I just had to be coached, I had to be really trained and taught better. That opened my eyes. I got paid fifteen hundred bucks for a twenty-minute graduation speech, and that opened mm -hmm. my eyes that I can do this and I can get out there. And so now, when I talk for companies, I mean, I'm not taking anything less than. It's a virtual event, nothing less than $2,500 for half hour of my time. If it's a speaking event in person, I'll take anything less than $10,000 for my time for an hour. And it varies. Some people I might charge $10,000 for the hour. Some people might, I might charge $30,000 for the hour. It just depends mm -hmm. upon the client. It depends upon, you know, where I'm going, who I'm talking to. It's, you know, what type of event is it? But, you know, and we have our own podcast called The Levin Market Show, and we started closing, we started going after sponsors Monday of this week. We've already had $7,000 of sponsors commit to sponsoring our show and paid wow. to be part of our show. We have a, our podcast is in the top 5% globally most downloaded and listened to within seven weeks of being out. But that all started because I said, man, we can put some content out to help people, give them a couple some ideas, all that. You know, I started for the right reasons, trying to help people. And it's mm -hmm. blossomed from there. And I, but I did start a podcast in 2017 for all the wrong reasons, trying to promote my brand and get people to buy different courses from me. And it flopped. And, I've, and it folded after like two weeks of me trying to do it because I was tired of like not being able to edit things. And I, I wasn't getting any good guests. And I was like, ugh. I, I, and I, but I started for the wrong reason to try to promote my brand. And that's what it was. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So take me back. Um... When your mom left, uh, were there any, uh, what, what would you call it, a mother-like uh, figures that stepped up to fill that oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. My, my mother's mother was amazing. My, gra my maternal grandmother was the best. I mean, we spent yeah. a lot of time with her in D.C. Uh, she was just amazing. She was a teacher. Uh, my grandfather, her husband, was, they, were, they were both huge in our lives. You know, yeah. My grandparents sided with my dad instead of my mom because he knew, they knew that they had us. I mean, I'm sorry, they knew that my dad had us. So my grandparents, my mother's parents were absolutely instrumental in our lives. And they were very upset at her for leaving her children because they didn't understand that. So our grandmother, my mother's mother was absolutely vital in us being who we are today. Do you still communicate with your mom? No, I haven't talked to my mom in eight years. Okay. Nope, nope, nope. When I moved to DC, when well, I'm from DC, when I moved to Raleigh and uh, I lost my business, my business went bankrupt. My brother and I had a little bit of a situation that was a little bit of a tiff that we had to work through, which we did. But my mother accused me of stealing, of trying to steal from my brother all this other type of stuff. And I was like, that didn't happen. And no, I didn't do that. And no, that's not what, what it was. And I told her, I said, man, I've been going back and forth with you on and off for 25 years. And this was 2013. I said, uh, this was May, 2013. I said, man, I'm just tired. I'm just tired of going back and forth with you over this, this, and this. And I have nothing to say to you anymore. That was that. And the, the last time I talked to her was, I was actually in Ava's, my stepdaughter's room, trying to help put her, bed together we, we had no money but we bought this like cheap day bed for like 20 bucks off of um, one of those like little sites and i was trying to put the bed together mm -hmm. i was talking to her about what was going on and she said oh you're always going to be a failure da, 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 da. you just need to learn how to you know get a job hold a job da, da, da. and i was like you know and you try to take from your brother i said look you have to know what you're talking about like 
people were sending you letters to your house about me going through a bankruptcy. All you got was letters. I had to like deal with like, I had like over five and a half million dollars of debt I had to get erased, you know, I mean, all this other, all this other stuff. And like, you're sitting here talking to me about letters that you're getting, like you don't understand and you don't see what I see. You don't really, under, you don't care about what I had to go through. So that was the last time I talked to her, it was May, 2013. I had not talked to her since. Yeah, I can, I can understand why. Um, it's what it is, man. I mean, yeah. I, I, I can't, yo, I, she birthed me, which is awesome, and I appreciate that. But, like, other than that, like, there was no real raising of me. Uh, there was no values. You know, there was none of the other stuff that a lot of people get. Like, that 90% seconds from the mother, I did not get. Neither did my brother. I mean, my, my brother probably got more because he was older than me. But, you know, me, as far as all that, no, I didn't get the same thing that my brother got because he's older. And uh, I don't I don't get what 99% of society gets from their from their motherly figure. I, I didn't get that. Yeah. Did you ever go through any type of uh, like therapy? Oh, sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Of course. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was great, man. Getting things out. Anger management. I had to go to anger management therapy when I was at, uh, at Howard. You know, that was awesome. And you know, it just helped me out, man. It's helped me get better about with my emotions, and I had to work through things. And uh, it was great. So I took that in college and yeah. uh, took some of the NFL to help me with my with my anxiety and, and my stress. And it, it's, it was it was great. That's good. What uh, what would you say is like the greatest lesson that your dad ever taught you, either directly or indirectly? Oh, without a doubt, perseverance, never to give up. I mean, he he died a poor man, but he always told me that. You know, Marcus, you can do something great with your life beyond your brother's football career because you're you're going to be a good football player, but your brother's bigger and he's got more natural talent than you do. But you have talent in other places. You just have to find it. And I found it. And I've been doing this now and very blessed to have some great people you know, in my corner on my team. Blessed to have a great podcast co-host and my partner, Leverett Ball. Great to have some great partners that I work with, like uh, the Carson Group and Red Go Quality and uh, Personify, some other great businesses, Lulu Press, uh, Liberty Homeworks that I work with to help our brand become who we are. So I saw a great uh, segment, a little clip uh, of Arnold Schwarzenegger giving like a graduation speech. And he said, you can call me anything you want, but don't call me a self-made man because he said, I'm not self-made when I moved to this country. People that I knew in my gym would give me dishes and plates and towels and also pillows I didn't have. And, you know, without them, I wouldn't be here. And that's like me, like I'm not self-made because my father, my grandmother, my grandfather, you know, you know, my business partner, my wife, my team, you know, our clients make me who I am. So I'm not self-made either. I love what Arnold said. I just saw it this morning. I think it's great. So mm-hmm. again, fellas, it's just the perseverance aspect and Never give up hope because I, you know, seven and a half, well, I guess that's what's that? Seven and a half years ago, 2013. Yeah, almost eight years. No, it will be, yeah, it'll be, it's almost been eight years. It'll be eight years and two months. So almost eight years ago, I'm pushing a broom, making 825 an hour. No money, almost you know, broke, almost homeless, lost everything after an NFL career and a big multi million dollar business career. Today, I'm not the same person. I work on different stages, I've worked for 25. Fortune 500 clients as a speaker. Our podcast is growing. It's one of the best, you know, in the world. I'm grateful for that. And, you know, I'm a different person, but I'm also the same person. So it doesn't matter to me as long as you treat me with respect and dignity and respect my time and I respect yours. Everybody's good. Yeah, you got a lot of perseverance in your story, man. It's, it's, a, it's a great one. So, uh, yeah. 
Appreciate yeah, um, y'all having me on, man. Yeah. Uh, I guess one of the last questions I like to ask, or really, it's not really a question. I already asked you the question. Uh, it was, uh, what does fatherhood mean to you? Huh. And I'll, bring up, I'll bring up your response. I want to read it. And uh, I want you to elaborate on it uh, after I read it to you. Give me a second. I'm pulling it up right now. I know you had a, you had a good answer. So uh, here we go. Uh, it means to be there and be present for my daughters. You already spoke on that. Um, but what are some other ways that you're that you're present? You say it's playing, uh, you know, different no, games. Just different games. It's being yeah. there when they need me. Different op, you know, different projects, different things, different. You know, you know, if they if they want to go to the beach and eat money, that they can they can come to me. If they have an issue with the car, they can't take care. They can come to me. You know, if they have a question about life, they can come to me. It's just being there for your children whenever they need you in whatever capacity that is. That's what being that's what fatherhood means to me. Beautiful. So I, I have um, a question for you. Like this, this is my last question. Um, so I could tell like you, you sound like a great speaker, but you are a great speaker. Who do you pattern or who inspires you to um, as a speaker? I always fell in love with Tony Robbins, of course, uh, just mm -hmm. watched his stuff and you know, got to know his message and his ability to enlighten, inspire, and impact was huge. And when I was a custodian, you know, sweeping up floors and spraying pledge on tables and taking people's trash out and all the different things, I would listen to Tony Robbins, some of his different talks, you know, on, you know, on audio and, you know, just kind of listen to him on, you know, YouTube and literally, man, just cling, cling to any hope that maybe one day, you know, when I made the decision, I was going to be a speaker, say, well, wow, maybe one day I could be up on stage. Maybe one day people are going to want to hear what I have to say, because at that time, I would, nobody wanted to hear what I had to say. Nobody cared if I lived, died, or no one really cared anything about me, because I was basically making eight twenty-five hour an hour. I was a guy that people just like, looked at and just kept on going. Today, I'm not the same person. But I am the same person because I always mm -hmm. treat everybody with respect, but I might have a little bit more success now, a little bit more notoriety. But at the core, I'm the same person. Money does not change me. I've made millions of dollars. I've made $8.25 an hour. I've had, you know, I've had millions of dollars in the bank. I've had $4 in the bank. And we're doing very well right now. But I will never change who I am because I know how hard it is when you, so I told everybody, when you lose everything, you appreciate everything. And I've been there and I'm not going back. So for me, Tony Robbins was a great inspiration. And he was the one I wanted to. He, of course, inspired me to be, you know, who I am today as a speaker and push forward. When again, you all I'm sure both know there are not a lot of African American speakers in this business. You know, people say Les Brown, absolutely. But Les Brown's almost eight, almost 80. People say Eric Thomas. I said, well, look, Eric Thomas is not really a keynote speaker. He is a guy that will go do different seminars. He'll go talk to sports teams, and that's what, and he'll, he'll speak into that in that regard. But he's not really a corporate keynote speaker. There is not a lot of us. I mean, they're not. And it's you know, and I tell you about it, you can break barriers, but you have to be willing to you know to to break down the door because they're not just going to let you in. You have to they have to, they'll, they'll let you in with the right credibility. But getting that credibility is not easy. So I have another saying. If you don't want to start at the bottom and start something new, then don't start at all. If you don't want to start at the bottom and you start something new, then don't start at all. Yeah, that's awesome. 
Yeah, I can always tell when we got a good speaker on because uh, motivational or keynote speakers, they, they they talk to a certain, it's like a metronome, like a, mm -hmm. beat, like a pattern, you know, I, I can tell. You get a lot of practice on that. So, yeah. Yeah, man. I'm always, it's, it's, it's my job. So I'm always perfecting my craft and doing, you know, podcasts, our own yeah. podcasts, because, you know, at the end of the day, that's how you get better and always get self, you just keep working on your craft. No, for sure. And uh, my last question for you, Marcus, uh, and again, thank you for your time. Uh, if you had to give advice to any father, any dad out there that's listening right now, what would that be? Kick your ego to the curb because you're going to have those days that your daughter's going to drive you crazy. But if your ego gets in the way, it will it can damage your relationship. So I have an, an acronym for ego, exaggerated, glorified opinions. You're not going to always be the best dad at times. You're going to struggle. There's going to be times you don't come up. You're going to come up short. That's okay. But don't exaggerate yourself to your children. Don't want glorify. Don't want the glory. Help for the right reasons. Help them because it's going to help them be the best. And opinions. Even if your child is younger, of course, be younger than you. But like, even if your child is super, like you know, young or a teenager, things like that. You don't have to always have the last word. And learn how to let things go. So kick your ego to the curb because if you don't, it could damage your relationship with your daughter or your son for many years to come. Trust me. I have, that's what I'm doing with my mother. Her ego, she has the biggest ego I've ever seen in my life. She really does. And she's never lost it. So that ego has now damaged our relationship. So I can't change her, but I know one thing, I won't have an ego with my kids because I'm going to break that cycle. Yeah, the people that uh, are never wrong about anything. Those there you like, go. Yeah, I, I got those in my family too, man. <laughs> All I say, they know everything, man. But nah, I, I don't have time for that. Yeah. All right, Dr. Young, did you have anything else? Oh, no, I, I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for uh, joining us today. No, man, it was great. That Prince had me on. I really appreciate it, fellas. Yeah, you, uh, you might not be in the Hall of Fame in the NFL, but we're going to put this episode in the Hall of Fame. Man. We got a lot of value from this, man. So I appreciate that. Appreciate it, brother. I look, I look forward to seeing you guys post it. And I just tag you when it goes up. And uh, you all have a good weekend, fellas. All right. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks a lot. All right. All right. For myself, Sir Royce Bialis, and for Dr. Ryan Young, and for Marcus Ogden, thanks again for listening to WTF interviews, and stay tuned for further announcements.